If you have your Bibles with you this morning, you can turn with me to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, we're looking at verses 26 through 27 this morning. Genesis chapter 1, looking at verses 26 and 27. We'll be going to other texts as well this morning. That's where we're starting today, though. I do want to say it is good to be back in the pulpit. <coughs> and so I hadn't preached in two weeks. That's, that's a record. I, I haven't gone that long in uh, 10 years. So... <laughs> Uh, more than that, really, I think. So uh, it is good to be back here standing before you and able to preach again this morning. I do want to thank uh, Rayburn McLaren for uh, filling in for me two weeks ago. Uh, I found out that I was going into COVID quarantine Saturday afternoon. And who am I going to find to cover the pulpit in less than 24 hours and uh, I called up Jerry Rice, our, our, uh, our Jerry Bryce, our associational missionary, and he was in quarantine with COVID at the time. So uh, where did I go to next? And I called up Brother Rayburn, and he graciously agreed to come that next morning and fill in for me. So thankful for him, and thank you, Joy, for filling in last week. I watched both messages, and you did a great job, Joy, and so did Brother Rayburn. I'm thankful for those men for helping me out in this time. My family is, is, is healing up. Uh, Gabby and I never, never got the virus. Uh, Blaine and Mary Beth both, both came down positive, and they're still trying to recover their taste and smell. But uh, other than that, they're, they're doing good, so thankful for that. Well, this morning we are in Genesis chapter 1. Back on January 17th, that first Sunday that I missed, uh, was... Sanctity of Human Life Sunday, and so uh, I didn't want to skip that. Just because I was out, I didn't want to skip it for a year, so I want us to focus on today. This Sunday is going to be our Sanctity of Human Life Sunday, so you have there in your bulletin, <clears throat> excuse me, this little card here that we always try to put in our insert this time of year, but uh, this is our Sanctity of Human Life Sunday insert and if you're wondering about some actionable things you can do to support the sanctity of human life, uh, look on the back there, and there's some good practical things that you can do to support the sanctity of human life in Morehouse Parish, in our state, and uh, across the, the globe. So uh, please look at that and think of that. The main thing you can do is just pray. Pray for our government officials. Pray for those who are, are in places of leadership that can make laws and change laws. Pray for our new president that God would turn his heart away from the, the adulterous practice of abortion and turn his heart to Christ and see the sanctity of human life. Pray for our senators and representatives. We have some good ones here in Louisiana who support the sanctity of human life. I'm thankful for those. So support the sanctity of human life. Now, as we, we look at that, we celebrate the sanctity of human life. I am proud to say that Louisiana is uh, the second most pro-life state in America, second only to my home state of Arkansas. So Arkansas is number one, Louisiana is number two, Oklahoma I think is number three, and Mississippi, our, our neighbor over here, is number four. So uh, all wonderful states and a good place to be for pro-life and the pro-life movement. Still, here in Louisiana, there were eight 
8,144 abortions in 2019. That's 22 abortions a day. That means one in seven Louisiana babies in 2019 were murdered in their mother's womb. Locally, there were 42 from Morehouse Parish who received abortions and 269 from Washita Parish. So there's still plenty of work to do here in Louisiana and across our great nation. And that work begins with cultivating a culture that believes in the sanctity of human life. We have to cultivate a culture that believes in, embraces, rejoices in the sanctity of human life. Now that raises the question, why is human life sacred? So that's what it means when we say the sanctity of human life. We are say, saying that, that human life is sacred. So what is the source? Why is human life sacred? And that's the question I want us to consider today as we look at Genesis chapter 1 because we see the sanctity of human life or the, the reason for the sanctity of human life here in Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. And here in this text, we discover human life is sacred because human life is created in the image and likeness of God. Human life is sacred. Your life, dear friend, is sacred because you were created in the image and likeness of God. So from this doctrine today, I want us to I want, us to, to, I want to give you three important principles which we need to cultivate in our culture. Three important principles that we need to cultivate in our culture. And that is by teaching this, embracing it, and teaching these principles to our children, to our friends and neighbors, to our, our lawmakers. We need to uphold these principles. So if you found your place there in Genesis chapter 1, please stand with me as we read God's Word. Genesis chapter 1, two verses starting in verse 26. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created him. Male and female he created them. Amen. May the Lord add blessings to the reading of his holy, inspired, and inerrant word. And may he write its eternal truth on all our hearts. And you may be seated. So here... In our text, we see the first principle that we need to cultivate in our culture. And that is, the sanctity of human life extends to all human life. The sanctity of human life, the sacredness of human life, extends to all human life. 
human life is sacred. Human life is sacred. I want us to look at our verse again, but I want to back up a couple of verses, starting in verse 24. Look what the text says. And God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures. This is on the sixth day of creation. God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds and the livestock according to their kinds and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God said that, and God saw that it was good. Then, after that, God said, let us make man. That is humankind, right? All human beings. Let us make man in our image after our likeness. So we see here that human life is sacred. Human life is distinct from the rest of creation. Human life is distinct from the rest of creation. Human life is distinct from the other animals of the world. Right? Human life is sacred. It is different from dog life and cat life and cow life and, and all the other beings of this earth. In all of creation, humans are a step above everything else. Human life is sacred because human life alone is created in the image and likeness of God. And we need to make sure that we don't get that, that backwards, right? We, we need to make sure we understand that and see that because in our culture, that's turned around. That is absolutely turned around. What do we see in our culture? We see in our culture that there are those who, who want to exalt other animals, other beings' lives, up above that of human life. And so we, we see protections coming for animals of all kinds. While at the same time, those same people are arguing that we should allow babies to be murdered in their mother's womb. It's backwards, right? There's this, there's this sanctifying of animal life while there is this debasing of human life in our culture. And we need to get it straight. We need to understand that that's not the case. That's not the, the order that God created things. God created Human life, different from all other animal life. Human life is sacred. Now, does that mean that we should treat animals uh, inhumanely? No, of course not. Right? We should treat animals humanely. You, you, you shouldn't kick your dog for no reason, right? You, you don't need to abuse animals. We need to treat animals humanely. God gave us that responsibility. He gave us dominion over the other beasts of the earth to, to care for them, to love them and care for them, look after them. Yes and amen. But we never allow that care for other animals to exalt itself, to, to be lifted up above the care and our concern for human life. 
human life is sacred. All other life is not sacred. All other life is not sacred. Human life and human life alone is sacred because human life is created in the image and likeness of God. So I preach, I like my dog, Gus, right? Sometimes I don't like him so much, but uh, usually I like Gus, right? He's our family dog. He, he watches out for us. But, but let me just be clear. If the situation arose where it was between Gus's life and another human being's life, guess what, Gus? You're out of luck because the human being life takes precedent. Because that human life was created in the image and likeness of God. That human life is sacred. Human life is sacred life. And this is made further clear in Genesis chapter 9, verse 5 through 6, even at well after the fall, right? And for your lifeblood, I will require a reckoning. For, uh, from every beast, I will require it. And from man, from his fellow man, I will require a reckoning for the life of man. Whoever sheds the blood of a man by man shall his blood be shed for God made man in his own image. And so God calls for the death penalty here in the case where a man takes another man's life with no reason, murders a man, because man, mankind, humankind, is created in the image and likeness of God. Human life is sacred because human life is created in the image and likeness of God. But we all also need to make clear here that all human life is sacred. All human life, every human life is sacred. He makes that clear in our text here, Genesis 1, 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Right, so man and woman are created, both created in the image and likeness of God. Are men and women different? Yes, absolutely. Contrary, again, to our culture, men and women are created biologically different, mentally different, emotionally different. We are different in, in almost every way. That doesn't make one sex less valuable than the other sex, right? We had it in a, a past culture, it used to be a, a past culture that was more uh, uh, male-dominant. There was a, a kind of a, a devaluing of female life. Women aren't as strong as men, right? And, and so there was this devaluing of women. That was a wrong attitude in a, a sinful culture. Today, that's been kind of reversed, now, men are kind of thrown under the bus. Men are devalued. We have such phrases as toxic masculinity. Let me just tell you what that tells young boys, that young boy, because you're a man, you are toxic. You are less valuable because of your masculinity. That is wrong. God created men and women different. And yes, there is 
biblical, godly masculinity that is good and right in the world and should be uh, exalted as such, right? Just like there's femininity that, that needs to be exalted and celebrated. It's, it's right and good. It's the way God created women. God created m- women and men different. And those differences are, are to complement one another. They, they complement one another. My wife and I, we work better together when we work together. Because my differences, uh, they complement complement her differences right they, they just work together and we complement one another and we work better in a unit that's the way god created us i believe that's one of the the ways that we reveal the image of god and man it's in that relationship between a, a man and a, a husband and a wife we relate to one another in an intimate way as god the father god the son god the holy spirit relate to one another there's differences But those differences complement one another. Those differences don't make one person less valuable than the other. Both partners are created in the image and likeness of God. So men and women are are valued. Their, Their life is sacred because both men and women are created in the image and likeness of God. But it also extends past just the the male female domain to those who are healthy and those who are sick those who are able-bodied and those who are disabled those who are born and those who are unborn all human life is sacred because all human life is created in the image and likeness of god no matter your abilities you are created in the image and likeness of God. Those who are, are atypical, right? Those who are disabled. Those who are sick. That does not diminish their sickness. Their, their disability does not diminish the image of God in them. Their life is sacred. Being on the other side of the birth canal does not diminish a person's value. All human life is sacred. Now here's a statistic for you. According to a a report on the news website, The Hill, from 1998 to 2011, data shows that 67% of women who received a positive prenatal diagnosis of, uh, for Down's syndrome had an abortion. So during those years, 67% of the babies who would have been born with Down's were murdered because they had Down syndrome. Now, I know a few people with Down's syndrome, and man, they add to my life. I love them. They're a joy to be around. They're they're loving and caring. That's not a disability, right? That's, That's a benefit. I wish I could be more like them in so many ways. That's not a disability. That's a benefit that we we should we should love. 
And no, in no way has their syndrome made them less valuable. They are created in the image and likeness of God. And they have a right to live their lives just like we have a right to live ours. The sanctity of human life extends to all human life. Every human being, regardless of sex, age, ability, or geography, in the womb or outside of the womb, is created in the image and likeness of God and is valuable. Their life is sacred. So I want you to remember this, dear friend. Whenever you feel worthless, because we all go through those seasons, when you feel worthless, when you feel valueless, remember your value doesn't come, isn't based upon your feelings for yourself. Your value is that you were created in the image and likeness of a holy and righteous God. You are precious in His sight. You are precious in His sight. Furthermore, when you see one who is not like you, perhaps someone who has a, a disability and who, who, or who is neurologically atypical, do not think you are somehow better than them or are more valuable than they are because they are created in the image and likeness of God their life is sacred and precious to God so the first principle that we must cultivate in our culture is that the sanctity of human life extends to all human life Second, the second principle that we need to cultivate in our culture is this. The sanctity of human life begins at conception. The sanctity of human life begins at conception. Now this, I want to look at Psalms chapter 139. If you want to turn over there real quick. Psalm chapter 139, verses 13 through 16. Psalm chapter 139, verses 13 through 16. You'll be familiar with this psalm most likely, most of you. Psalm 139, starting in verse 13, it reads, For you formed my inward parts. David speaking to God, praying to God. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. Intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. Human life, the sanctity of human life begins at that moment of conception because at that moment of conception, God creates a unique human life. At the moment of conception, God creates a unique 
human life. It's not a blob of tissue. It's not a tumor. Or whatever other phraseology that people want to call it today. It's not simply a fetus. It's a human life. A human life. A unique human life. Science confirms this. Science absolutely confirms this. Science tells us that at the moment of conception, a a new, unique DNA code is created that not only guides a person's early development, but also hereditary traits that begins to show hereditary traits that will develop in in childhood and and adulthood. At the moment of conception, you were uniquely you. When you were conceived, dear friend, you were uniquely you. You were different from your mama and your daddy. You were different from your brothers and your sisters and your cousins and your uh, whoever. You were uniquely you at that very moment. Furthermore, at conception, or let me go back to our, our verse there, you were uniquely you, for you were formed, you formed my inward parts you knitted me together in my mother's womb your eyes saw my unformed substance god created you uniquely you at that moment of conception furthermore at conception god created a purposed human life god created a purposed human life that is a human life with a purpose Before you were born, God knew you and determined a purpose for your life. Look back at our verse in in, in Psalm 139, verse 16, the last little part there. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. God, he formed days for you. He gave you a purpose. Jeremiah chapter 1 verses 4 through 5 says, Now the word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you and appointed you a prophet to the nations. Now though God is talking specifically to Jeremiah there, that that text extends to us. Though you weren't created to be a prophet God did have a purpose for your life. And before you were ever born, he knew his purpose for you. You have purpose. We all want a purpose in life. We all look for a purpose in life. Well, quit looking out there and look to God. Ask God, what is your purpose for my life? Because God created you with a purpose. With a purpose. He knew you and formed you for a reason. Every human life, every human life has purpose. Now you look at some people and you say, oh man, they're just wasting their life. But God created them for a purpose. Regardless of what they're doing with their life, God created them for a purpose. Their life is sacred and holy. You know, I remember when Marybeth was pregnant with Gabby. 
And I can remember at night, laying in bed, and you could feel Gabby kicking, right? I, I mean, she, she would get in there, and she would just get there, and, and, and both sides, right? Both sides of, of, of Mary Beth's belly, there was like hands coming out one side and feet coming out the other. She liked to stretch out when she went to sleep. You know, even after she was born, even after she was born, she was the same way. She usually ended up in bed with us for a long time. And the, the reason she finally got kicked out of the bed, because that was how she was. She got between us and oh, stretched out. I was like, mm, enough. You got to sleep somewhere else. Right? Before she was born, she was uniquely who she was. Geography doesn't change that fact. Right? Geography being on the inside of the womb rather than outside of the womb doesn't create the fact that there is a unique human life there. A life that God created for a purpose. All human life is sacred before God. And that sacredness, the sanctity of human life, begins at, at the moment of conception. It begins at the moment of conception. So three important principles we need to cultivate in our culture. The sanctity of human life extends to all human life. The sanctity of human life begins at conception. And number three here, <clears throat> the sanctity of human life means God determines when life begins and when life ends. God determines when life begins and when life ends. He is the creator of life. He gives us life. He gives us our being. Therefore, God has, has the sovereign right as our God to determine when our lives begin at conception and when our lives end at death. Now, the beginning addresses abortion. God decides when we're born, how we're born. We don't get to take away a person's life just because they're born at an inconvenient time and hours. God determines when life takes place. Therefore, abortion is off the table, should be off the table. And as followers of Jesus Christ and, and those who, who are committed to God's word, we should do everything that we can to protect the sanctity of the unborn life. We need to be involved in pro-life marches and, and all of those things. We need to support uh, the, the prenatal clinics and, and that sort of thing that, that promote the sanctity of human life. We need to do everything we can to protect the unborn lives. Life, God determines when life begins, but also we need to understand that God also decides when life ends. God decides when life ends, and this addresses the issue of euthanasia the right to die. Because it began with abortion. That was the, the introductory drug, if you will. That, that's what brought this culture of death into our nation, the a right of abortion. 
But it didn't end with abortion, and it never ends with abortion. It, it continues on, and now we're seeing the right to die. This whole uproar about the right to die. People who, who want to take their own life and, and demand the right to take their own life. But let me tell you, dear friend, you don't get to decide when you die. That's not your choice. That's your creator's choice. God determines when we live and when we die. It is all God's. His sovereign will. His sovereign choice. Now, we can understand this whole movement towards euthanasia to the right to die. We can understand it on some dimensions. I think we can all understand it on some dimension because we've been there, right? We've seen a loved one who suffered cancer or some other debilitating disease and we watch them suffer and we want to do something right we just want to see their suffering end and we can we can take those hard cases and, and we can can kind of have some compassion towards that and we can kind of understand it but we we need to understand that the hard cases are are never what we base our decisions on it's never what we debase our theology on it's never what we debase our decisions on god's word is where we get our understanding god's word is how we must make our decisions in those cases we can't allow the hard cases to bring in something that god doesn't like doesn't want doesn't approve of but here we also need to understand that ultimately this whole right to die thing you see it doesn't stop there either right it began with abortion and it evolved from abortion to now this right to die euthanasia but it doesn't end there because this continues to evolve from the right to die to the duty to die you have a duty to die. It's no longer your right, it's your duty to kill yourself. We're already seeing this in America. We're already seeing it. Today, assisted suicide is legal in 10 states. California, Colorado, Washington, D.C., Hawaii, Montana, Maine, New Jersey, Oregon, Vermont, and Washington State. Now, in 2008, ABC News reported that the government-ran Oregon Health Plan would not pay for a 64-year-old Barbara Wagner's $4,000 per month cancer medication. But it would pay $50 for the drugs that she could take to kill herself. In 2016, the New York Post reported that California resident Stephanie Packer's insurance provider refused to provide a chemotherapy drug that might have extended her life, but agreed to pay for a drug that would end her life. When dying, 
is more cost efficient for insurance companies than you living, which do you think most insurance companies will choose for you? The right to die becomes the duty to die. And that's only the beginning. And in a 2017 article in the National Catholic Register, Michael Orsi reported in the Netherlands, who has, which has long been an assisted suicide trailblazer, there is a, a broad acceptance of death for the mentally incapa uh, incapacitated. Increasingly, dementia patients are being euthanized. A, report, a recent report tells of an old woman who tried to fight off a doctor advancing on her with a needle while being held down by her family members. The right to die evolves into the duty to die. Where no longer you're looking for doctor-assisted suicide, but your family is coming at you with a needle because your expense is cutting into their lifestyle. The sanctity of human life means that God determines and God alone determines when life begins and when life ends. Now understand, it doesn't mean that we should prolong human life unnaturally. Right? There's no reason to hook people up to, to machines to, to keep them uh, hanging on longer when they're brain dead. There's no, no call here to, to prolong life unnaturally, but to allow God in His own timing to take life. That's what we're calling for. That's what we must stand for. God determines when we are born, and God determines when we die. So let me tell you, dear friend, when you, if you want to die with dig dignity, it's not about killing yourself to relieve yourself of some, some hardship, some suffering. But dying with dignity is dying, rejoicing in the sovereignty of God over your death. Dying with dignity is allowing God to use you to your final breath to bring Him glory and honor. As Christians, that's what we ought to be striving for. That's what we ought to be living for, is to live for Christ, for His glory, right up to our final breath. All human life is sacred because all human life is created in the image and likeness of God. So as we, we hear these principles, as we, we understand them, how do we change our culture of death into a culture of life? We promote the sanctity of human life at every turn. 
We do everything that we can to promote the sanctity of human life, to speak for the unborn, to speak for the dementia patient who who can no longer decide for themselves, to speak for those who cannot speak for themselves. We promote the sanctity of human life. We teach and affirm these principles to our children, our neighbors, our friends. And ultimately, we take people to the source of our value, Jesus Christ. I love this in Philippians chapter 3, verse 8. Paul says, indeed, I count everything as loss because of the, of the surpassing value, the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. It's God who gives us our value from the time that we are conceived until the time that we die. And in Christ, we discover our value all the more. Because in Christ, we become who God truly created us to be. It's in Christ that we, we, we understand, we realize the true value of life. Christ came and died for your life. He valued your life so that he, he came and died for you. To give you not only life in this age, but life in the age to come. If you'd only trust in him. You want to understand the value of human life? You want to understand the value of your life? The first step is trust in Jesus. Trust in Christ. If you've never come to know Christ, if you've never entered into a relationship with Christ, then then you're living without value, right? You're you're living without understanding your value. You're living without understanding the value of others. Turn to Christ today. Turn to Christ today. Enter into a relationship with Him. For Christians, we promote the sanctity of human life. We value that. We promote it in our culture. We want to create a culture of life instead of a culture of death. But again, that starts by taking people to the throne of grace, taking them to Jesus so that they can receive eternal life in Him. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank You that You did create us in Your image and likeness. We are different than any other creature that You created because we alone were created in your image and likeness. Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you for revealing that to us. And Lord, our heart breaks as we look at our culture and we see this culture of death all around us. Lord, we pray for our leaders. We pray for Uh, our president, vice president, leaders across the board, senators, representatives, Lord, as they begin to make legislation, Lord, we pray that you would touch their hearts. Turn them to you, Lord. Let them know you and trust in you. 
And Lord, let them see the true value of human life. And Lord, help us to do our part as your church to cultivate that culture of life in our community and in our world. And Lord, I pray that if there's those here today who are struggling, struggling with their own value, they've never realized their own value, Lord, let them find their value in you by first trusting in Jesus and surrendering their lives to him. Lord, these things I pray in Christ's name. Amen.